0: Developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake. I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach. and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. We have a self-professed lifelong learner on the show today. Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum's work has been centred around education and innovation since the very beginning of her career. She's the author of Functional Medicine Coaching, how to be part of a movement that's transforming healthcare, as well as the founder and CEO of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. But before we get a chance to speak with Sandra, it's the Leadership Hacker News. Diversity inclusion is an essential part of organisations growing and taking advantage of what diversity brings. However, many CEOs who are faced with real crises individually often don't face into the fact that they might need to be more open about who they really are. A perfect example of this was CEO of insurance broker firm Bradley & Parker, Wayne Nowland, Nowland, now Wynn Nowland, has recently gone through gender transition and now claims to be much more at peace with themselves. Nolan started working at the medium sized firm in Melville, New York in 1986 and held several senior positions before coming CEO and chair in 2017, just a few months before her transition. During those years, Nolan buried herself in work to avoid dealing with her two personas. At work, she was Wayne, but inside and occasionally around a selected group of close friends, she was Wynn. Nolan told CNBC's Make It. One of my friends said that my work was my mistress because it was the way for me to pour a lot of my frustration and resources into getting things done. So from that standpoint, I guess it had some value. From Nowland's earliest memory, she knew she was different, but it took her a long time to label it. And it wasn't until a few weeks after her 56th birthday in 2017, and four months after being promoted to CEO, she had an epiphany, an awakening, and decided she couldn't hide her true self any longer. Nowland sent an email to her 70-person strong staff telling them that she had made a decision to transition her gender. The note she wrote started, I plan to begin working as a win starting this morning. Nowland also wrote emails to corporate clients and board members making it clear that she planned to continue to lead the firm in the way she had done so for 30 years. And the next time Nowland arrived at work, she was wearing a woman's pantsuit, pearls and a pair of Tiffany earrings and full makeup. Her colleagues greeted her with open arms that day. She goes on to say, I did not fully come out until I came out at work. And Nowland, 59, now feels more at peace and more at ease with the work in her personal life and at home. She goes on to tell CNBC's Make It, What I realised was that unless you want to lead your life calculating every minute of the day, there's really no way to lead dual existences mentally you can but outwardly communities are still too small my advice to anybody is consistent i think it's important to avail yourself to the professionals to get some help and to help guide you through what could be a really confusing time but once you've come to the conclusion that's what you are and who you are don't delay so whatever your diversity whatever your challenge or whatever your two personas may be don't wait and what a great lesson it is to us all to be true to ourselves whatever we are and to make sure that we are really thoughtful about the journeys that not only we're taking, but people around us may be taking unconsciously and unbeknown to ourselves. So congratulations, Wynn and congratulations on celebrating it publicly. That's been the Leadership Hacking News. Please get in touch with us if you have any stories or insights that you'd like our listeners to hear. On the show today is Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. She is the founder and CEO of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy She's a clinical psychologist with over 35 years experience and an expert in positive psychology and mind-body medicine. She's also the author of The Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks. Sandra, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, you have a really fascinating backstory that's, that's caused you to pivot. At almost retirement age. But before we get to that, perhaps you can give us a summary of how you've arrived at doing what you've done.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, uh, where I am now is not where I began. I always thought I would be a school teacher. And that's what I studied in college. I was teaching children with learning disabilities and other special needs. This was in the early '70s, and I became quite interested in the not only the stress that they were experiencing in their lives, but their parents as well. And I started leading groups for parents. They were like support groups and teaching them strategies for managing their children at home and. So at the time uh, I was teaching like breathing strategies and this was pretty radical and unheard of, this idea that by stopping and taking some breaths you can calm yourself, it would increase your ability to learn more effectively. And I then went on and got my doctorate in clinical psychology. I was always a renegade. Um, At the time, the world of psychology, psychotherapy, was psychoanalytic. And I was interested in people getting well now and moving forward, not spending years analyzing their childhood. And so I was blending these mind body medicine techniques where you're using breathing or using muscle relaxation, use of imagery and combining that with uh, having people really stop and reflect on what they're saying to themselves, that they're, they're self-taught, this is catastrophizing. And so that comes from the world of cognitive behavior therapy. And I blended that with something else that didn't have a name at the time, and that was positive psychology, which is where you look at what's right with the person and not what's wrong with them, and you look at their key strengths. So I've been putting all that together and found that not only were the people I was working with getting better, and these were people, I was a health psychologist, so these were people who had uh, chronic health issues or they had severe anxiety, And this was something that I knew quite well. I had severe panic attacks when I was in my twenties. I also had a serious addiction to sugar where I would literally binge on bags of cookies and uh, all kinds of sugary snacks and uh, not realizing how unhealthy I was becoming, I was not obese, um, but I was particularly unhealthy with thyroid issues, for example, and also didn't realize that I had had years and years of antibiotics. And when I started studying functional medicine, and that was around uh, 2009, 2010, I was fascinating fascinated with this idea that you could dig down to the root cause and you could develop a timeline for an individual and see, Whoa, it was that history of all those antibiotics or maybe there was something traumatic that happened in childhood. And uh, for me that was losing my father when I was nine years old. So you combine all those things and then you see what were the triggers and what was the perpetuator of um, not feeling well was all the years that my diet was pretty out of whack. So as I started making changes in my diet, I started exercising, enjoying movement throughout the day, uh, I was getting better as well, so when I was sixty five um, yes, I decided I was not going to retire because I had a huge meaning and purpose in my life. I wanted to take all of these strategies that I knew worked so well and teach them to health coaches because health coaches are the ones who would be really the the key to helping people to create a wellness to live better lives. So I approached the Institute for Functional Medicine, that's IFM, where I had trained in functional medicine, and they were quite interested in partnering uh, and creating this school to train health coaches. So what we do now is we train health coaches in uh, all the things that I had practiced and the functional medicine principles that are taught through the Institute for Functional Medicine.
0: Really fascinating. There's a couple of things there that really struck a chord with me. The the whole philosophy that our body and our mind are so powerful and so intrinsically linked to our well-being. I think for most people, we still really take that for granted. I just wondered what your thoughts were
1: oh absolutely so we don't realize that uh if we uh, let's say uh we're we're not feeling well maybe we have a headache uh, and if we tell ourselves that uh, this is the worst thing, I can't stand this, this pain is awful, and uh, I'm always going to be suffering this way, then that's going to create a stress response. We're actually tightening those muscles as we think those thoughts. Um, but if we are telling ourselves, Okay, oh, if I just breathe, if I soften my forehead, if I imagine something cool on my forehead and the back of my neck, then you know, soon it'll feel better. And lo and behold, it does. And so uh, if we are scaring ourselves, Uh, with something, if we are worried, uh, if we are telling ourselves it'll never get better, I'm always going to feel this way, or the world will always uh, be this way as we are all experiencing now, then that's going to lead to some of our changes in our health our guts and our brain are intimately connected think of those like sinus twins they are always traveling together and inseparable
0: i guess that's what's been referred to as psychosomatic
1: It was, but uh, that term uh, tended to be used uh, by, for example, the psychiatric community in a pejorative way. uh, They would tell people, oh, it's all in your mind. It's nothing. Well, it is something. Uh, Your mind is uh, creating. It's not like you're making it up. Mm. People often think psychosomatic as well. Um, It's not real. This person is just making it up. It's all in their mind but it is in the mind and the body.
0: Got it. That makes loads of sense. Now, I guess also the other thing that struck a chord when you were talking is this whole passion for teaching and education has really been a driving force for when people start to retire You've taken it another step forward, and it's now become your your life and work now at the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. Tell us a little bit about the epiphany that led to creating an organization at the age of 65.
1: Yes. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm very, very active, and I like being around people much younger than I am. And I have this mission to uh, want to see a health coach in every medical office. And for this to be the norm. And so um, I know that when people are uh, not sitting around in retirement and bored or losing interest, losing curiosity in the world, then that's when people tend to decline quite rapidly. Uh, for me, I saw my mother uh, succumb to Alzheimer's disease and I want to stay Vibrant. I want to be young at heart, and so when you have a strong mission and a purpose, that is what happens. At uh, our school, which is FMCA Functional and Coaching Academy, we have a significant number of students. These learners uh, love learning and they are stepping out of retirement. Uh, A lot of former school teachers, for example, some retired physicians, and they are studying with us and it's what's keeping them vibrant. They're so excited. Uh, They're not doing it to build a career as our, our younger students are. They're doing it because they love the content. They're using it personally or with their families. And they're going out often volunteering or they're not, uh, again, building a career, but they are uh, going out and serving. And that is how they are getting paid. And they're quite, quite happy doing that. And, and so that uh, for me is uh, just having this, this strong, strong mission to teach. And so in a sense, I came back to my roots. I started wanting yeah. to be a teacher and now I'm a teacher again.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So what's the difference between a functional medicine doctor and a functional medicine coach?
1: So a functional medicine doctor is the medical expert. They went to medical school. Uh, they can diagnose the condition. They can draw up a treatment plan for that condition. A coach is the expert in behavior change. So they are not the medical Person, or they are not the dietician, uh, but they work on a team. They refer to those individuals, and we need it all. And so what the coach does is listen. Their expertise is in listening with people and asking the right types of questions so that somebody will become inspired to change how they're living their life. Uh, they, The coach is asking questions like, do you want your health for what brings you most joy? And then they help them set goals that are achievable and they're often very, very tiny ones and they celebrate with that person and they call, they, they also hold that individual accountable for. So call me and let me know how it's going or we're going to talk about this again when we meet next week. So this movement is growing. And it is, I'm really seeing that I'm going to fulfill my mission of seeing a coach in every office. We have coaches who are increasingly getting hired by practices of the, uh, in, in the UK, the National Health Service. Uh, is starting to hire coaches in the United States uh, through the payer system. Here we have uh, pathways for uh, coaches to build directly. That's coming in the future. Uh, We're on that road right now. And there's right now, though, uh, use of coaches where they can lead group visits, for example. Uh, They can be the one who is in the office monitoring all that data that's coming in from remote patient monitoring devices like your uh, your watch, and for example, your blood glucose monitor. And so the coach is the one who is uh, working with that expert, with that functional medicine doctor.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating, isn't it? And I suspect the current environment that we've been in and the pandemic has seen a real upsurge in people wanting to access health coaches. What's been your experience during the pandemic? and? as it's evolved over the last 6 to 12
1: months? a 1,000%. People are interested in health like never before. They are wanting to work with health coaches. Also, the healthcare workers are exhausted Mm. and burned out. And they have their hands full with acute care. They are um, often not able to take the time with people who have these chronic medical conditions like type 2 diabetes. Uh, And that's what the health coach can do. And they do it remotely. They do it uh, over platforms like Zoom. And they can have people they're working with all over the world. They can work with people in groups, which is a very, very, effective uh, model that is also growing because it makes it affordable. And uh, more people are accepting health coaches. There's a lot of major companies that are hiring health coaches. And uh, there's a group that uh, unfortunately suffering right now. And those are those people who are what we call the long haulers from COVID. And they are uh, still having symptoms mm. often months later and so the coaches who are trained in this functional medicine approach to have a, um, a broad uh, perspective to look at how to help somebody with these symptoms that are not dissipating months and months after they first got sick.
0: And to help your new health coaches along the way, there's a couple of key tenets that I noticed that are really key to helping the end client get better physically and mentally well. And the first one is that what you call character strengths. And I wondered why you call them the building blocks for well-being.
1: This comes from the field of positive psychology. So this is a field of study that looks at what's right with somebody. What makes a life worth living Why do people flourish? And so they have, um, this comes from the work of Martin Seligman and other researchers where they came up with this concept that we call PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. This acronym stands for the P is positive emotion. We all need to have experiences of joy in our life. We need the E, which is engagement or flow. We need to be focused on something that is truly like putting us in the state of complete mindfulness of the moment. We're enjoying something or deeply moved by something. The R is relationships. We need meaningful relationships. The M is meaning. We need meaning and purpose in our lives, whether that's a, a big mission or our, mean, our meaning and purpose is our family and nurturing our family. And the A, finally, is achievement, whether that's big or small. We got up and we made our bed. Wow, that's an achievement. Um, so how do we get to these? We get to them through our character strengths. Why are they the building blocks? These are the traits that we all have. And the researchers have identified 24 of them. Why 24? Well, they took years and years, and they went through all of the research literature, all of the teachings of philosophy, psychology, religions, various cultures around the world, and found that no matter how old or how young you were, no matter where you lived in the world, uh, you there were these 24 traits that kept coming up again and again, and those are what we call character strengths. So when somebody is asked, what are your strengths? So we tend to think of them as the ones that are skills like, Oh, I'm good at playing the piano. I'm good at playing sports. Well, this is what you learn. These are skills, but how do you get good at playing the piano? Well, you need to have curiosity. Uh, you, You need to have a love of learning to get you to the piano. Well, how do you master that? Well, you need to keep practicing and that's the strength of self-regulation. Uh, and so, we put all these together appreciation of beauty and excellence you have to have uh be able to say well that sound is lovely this one is discordant and jarring and so all of these character strengths all these 24 are what bring you to achieve great things to have uh, a life well lived And so some of these strengths are what we call in the cluster, they're this wisdom strength, like having that curiosity and love of learning, having perspective and good judgment. There are strengths that have to do with courage, like bravery, uh, for example, and strengths that have to do with what we call the humanity strengths, love and kindness, uh, teamwork, leadership, and appreciation of beauty, hope, gratitude, humor, spirituality, so self-regulation, prudence. Uh, So there are 24 if you're curious uh, because we have what we call signature strengths. So of our 24, some come more naturally to us. Like for me, it is that appreciation of beauty, it's love of learning, it's curiosity, it's zest and creativity, And so you can go to the via Via It's a nonprofit at FMCA. We work very closely with them. Uh, Their director teaches for us. It's called via VIA. And you can go on their website. They have a, a free test, which is very well validated. And then you can get an idea of what your character strengths are. And we all have them. And we just sometimes we use one or a few more than others. And uh, strengths have been studied quite extensively.
0: Mm. I love that whole principle of character strengths. And as you were listing them off, they're almost what you would look for ideally in a leader that you wanted to work with as well. They're all the things that you would want to engender that feeling of positivity and well-being, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And they come in clusters. So you know, for example, um, one of my top strengths is zest, which is like this excitement. I'm always like jumping on my skin, jumping for joy, and that also connects with creativity, for example. And then it's balanced with self regulation to have the self regulation to sit down and study what you love learning. Uh, and so there's wonderful ways that we help people by having them identify not what's wrong with them, but they can use these strengths. And the strengths are what bring us to having joy every day, for example, and perseverance. So right now to have that resilience to keep going on is very, very crucial. So what we do, what we train our coaches to do is to help people when they see their timeline, their story, Uh, that they're not just thinking about the trauma they experienced and all the, for example, illnesses they may have had and suffered through and are perhaps still suffering, but the coach might point out their perseverance, that they didn't give up, they kept going. And so they would then ask that question, well, how can you do that today? Or what strength are you going to use today? Or you can have strengths talk with your family. For example, uh, instead of asking your child, how did you, how was your day at school? What strength, you know, did you use? Or you set an intention at the beginning of the day today. I'm going to practice my strength. I'm going to build my strength of forgiveness. That's one of the key character strengths that incidentally is highly correlated with physical well-being. Mm. Forgiveness is so important.
0: Yeah. So the skeptics might be listening to this who are suggesting, well, it's all very well having positive psychology. But what about dealing with the root cause of some of these problems that exist in maybe other genres of psychology? How would you square that argument off?
1: So positive psychology is not happyology. It is not about just, oh, I have to be happy all the time. It's accepting of the full gamut of emotions. They just are. And in the course of a day, lifetime, we experience all of them. And it is this acceptance that is really the root of positive psychology. So you have the acceptance, yes, this happened to me, or I experienced this. And it was bad. It was traumatic. And how do I want to live right now? How do I? What do I want to focus on today? What do I want to be hopeful for about tomorrow? And so, yes, functional medicine is root cause medicine. It's where you dig down and say, okay, uh, this, these symptoms that I'm experiencing are connected, for example, if we look under the hood, to inflammation. What could be causing inflammation? Well, perhaps it's all of that gluten, and sugar. Perhaps it is lack of sleep that I'm experiencing. Perhaps it is I am upsetting myself and I'm getting really aggravated about my work conditions. I'm very worried about my financing. All of those things would be root causes. And it's not just one. They usually come in a huge cluster. Now, where does the positive psychology come in? Well, you would say, okay, what can I do about this? How can perhaps taking some pauses and clearing this out as I exhale slowly and take a a very deep belly breath. I'm going to let go of what I don't think is serving me. Or I'm going to use the self-regulation character strength to go to bed earlier tonight. Or I'm going to experience the joy of eating uh, something that... Is going to, uh, not be laden with, um, to, well, are not going to have gluten or perhaps it's sugar, like I was having that problem with. Well, I can experience the, the joy of, of blueberries as my sweet, as opposed to that chocolate chip cookie. So, uh, and experience the, uh, the excellence of that taste of that blueberry. So, uh, I hope you could see that how this positive psychology Uh, particularly the character strengths are woven in to your getting at the root cause, which let's say often it is inflammation, where your body is just chronically inflamed. Uh, And so you're using your mind, you're using your body. So all of these strategies... Come together. And I think too often we get dogmatic about one technique versus the other, one way of eating versus another. And I've always been a big believer in an integrative approach because you put it all together and that is quite powerful.
0: Yes, it definitely is. And I can also see the relationship between the character strengths as you were talking that through as well. And one of those character strengths, of course, is practice. And like any new skill or habit, that's going to take some time to rethink and reframe how you do things, right?
1: Absolutely. So there is some people think, well, it's all just Talent, for example, you want to learn something, you have to be good at it. But it is that practice over and over and over again. Why is that significant? What's really happening is you're creating new neural pathways in the brain. And so, the more you do it, the more it becomes automatic. Think about the first time you got into a car when you were young. If you learned to drive, well, uh, you had to pay attention to every step in that process. You don't do that today. If you're a driver, it's automatic. And so that's how you learn. It's hard at first, but it gets easier. And uh, there's it, it's that quality when you're getting good at something. It's called grit, Angela Duckworth writes about this extensively in her book, Mm. Grit. And it is the, let's take that example again of playing the piano. So it's not just going to the piano and sitting down one time. It's going to make you a master pianist. No, those people spend hours and hours and hours practicing. I know a lot of professional ballet dancers and their practice started when they were very young and it's hours and hours and hours at the bar practicing
0: yeah no substitute for hard work and practice right right so if i was interested in getting involved in this field what would be your advice
1: so uh the coaches are needed now more than ever and you do not need a background in healthcare. care. Some of the best coaches come from other walks of life. And so many people can study to become health coaches, even if they never go out and work as a health coach. They can find that information uh, so valuable and and most of our students who come to us um, are really you know, going out and working with others, but some are not, but they are all saying, I had a personal transformation by learning Uh, functional medicine paired with positive psychology so uh, you can study with us we have people who are medical doctors uh, who are also studying to be coaches we have people who are in uh, the fields of nutrition for example and some of these folks are not changing careers they are continuing what they're already doing but they're using the coach approach so one of the best things that happen when you learn to be a coach is your relationships are transformed with your family, your friends, your colleagues, and if you are a practitioner with your patients uh, because you are really listening to them, they feel heard and that improves the quality of the relationship.
0: We'll also make sure before we finish off today that we capture all of those things in our show notes so we can pass on any links and and tips for any of our listeners who are who are really interested in this. So at this part of the show, I also get to now flip the lens a little and, and get a chance to hack into the years of leadership experience that you've gathered along your career and on your journey too. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, Sandra, is if you could share with our listeners all of the years of experience and distill that down into your top three leadership hacks, what would they be?
1: Sure. So I think that it is... The first is uh, to be that it's not about me, it's about the people I serve, whether that's uh, most particularly the people on my team, uh, to really see what do they need, and it's the power of this teamwork. So it's not about me, it's about them. And so I'm very mindful of really listening when I'm at a team meeting, for example, uh, and to really, um, th- that is key. Uh, the second one would be to uh, have, this goes along with the first one, is curiosity. I'm just am very curious about uh, and, and ask the right questions. And that also comes from the coach approach. And the third would be creativity. I love to find solutions. I'm a quick start. I'm a visionary, and I like to see that no matter how um, challenging the problem may be, uh, that there's a solution. And I love to encourage people to think outside of the box, creative thinking, to see, well, how are we going to solve this? How are we going to pivot? Uh, and that's what I did uh, so much during this pandemic, uh, to inspire people uh, through creativity to have a different mindset, for example.
0: And fields of course, positive psychology, doesn't it?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: it does, yeah. The next part of the show, we call it hack to attack. And I know from the work that you've done, you know, you've said your biggest wins come from epic failures. And this part of the show is where we look at maybe a time in your life or work that could have been an epic failure or certainly hasn't gone as well as planned. But as a result of the experience, you've used that as a learning in your life and work. So what would be your hack to attack?
1: Sure. So um, we can go back to my my roots. Uh, and when I was in education, in college, uh, we had to have a, a time when we were student teachers. And I had trouble in that uh, experience. I could not control a classroom of children. This was not in special education. This was just a, a, a normal classroom and I did not get a good grade in my student teaching and that meant that I probably wouldn't get a job uh, as a teacher because I didn't do well and so I remember thinking oh my what am I going to do I remember just uh, flopping down on my bed and crying my career's over and what am I going to do I'm a failure and so I chose then to pivot and I'll just stay in college and I'll get a master's in learning disabilities because in learning disabilities I can work one-on-one with children and I I can do that and so I'm thankful because if I had not Failed in that experience, I would have gone on and had a classroom of children, and I probably would have spent years as a classroom teacher and retired with a pension and be um, just sitting at home knitting and playing cards with my friends <laughs> right now. And uh, which I love, I, I don't like playing cards, I love knitting and I love all crafts, but um, that's another story. Um, yeah. But I'm thankful for that failure.
0: Real sliding doors moment, right? Yes. And it's interesting, had that had happened, how different the world would have been and all of the work and the academia and the teaching that you've given since in a very different sphere. So hallelujah to failing that class is what I say. Yes. (laughs) The last thing that we would like to do today is give you a chance to do some time travel. So you get to bump back into Sandra at 21 and give us some advice. What would it be?
1: To give up concern about what others think about you I was always uh, pretty obsessed with being liked with uh, doing the right thing and uh, a lot of the shame and embarrassment of making a mistake whether that was a cognitive mistake or even the mistake of wearing the wrong outfit to a party, uh, always having to be perfect um, in every way um, and wanting to be liked and please people. And now at, at my age, 71, I am much bolder at just speaking my mind and letting go of the consequence, still being kind, um, but not worrying about pleasing people
0: yeah it's great advice isn't it and i guess that doesn't matter how old you are you can still learn to unlearn that as a behavior can't you
1: absolutely
0: love it so for folk listening to this sandra that would like to get a little bit more insight as to the work that you do any of your writing any of your teaching and maybe some information around the functional medicine coaching academy where is the best place for us to send them
1: functionalmedicinecoaching.org is our website and on Facebook, it's Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. On Instagram, FX, med, or Functional Med Coach, I should say, Functional Med Coach. Uh, personally, I am uh, Dr. Sandy. That's S A N D I on Instagram, and also at Dr. Sandy on Clubhouse, new platform, which I'm excited about.
0: You're on Clubhouse too. Awesome.
1: Love it. Yes.
0: Brilliant. It's really for those folks that haven't listened to Clubhouse. It's like having podcasts on demand and lots of random conversations, but some really insightful discussions taking place, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. I will follow you. (laughs) Super.
0: Well, we'll make sure that we connect on Clubhouse. We'll also make sure that all of those links you just spoke about are in our show notes so that we can continue the conversation beyond today.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Sandra, it's been amazing having you on the show. I'm super grateful you've been able to join us. And good luck with the next 35 years Uh of the Functional Medicine Academy.
1: (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Take care. You as well.
0: I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote and event or you would like to sponsor an episode please connect with us via our social media and you can do that by following and liking our pages on twitter and facebook our handle there is at leadership hacker instagram you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker and at youtube we're just leadership hacker so that's me signing off i'm steve rush and i've been the leadership hacker